There are four places for you to turn, and they're right up there on the screen. So the first one should be pretty familiar. We've been studying the book of Ephesians. And then Acts is just the seventh book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Fifth book in, sorry. And then Hebrews, if you go towards the end of your Bible, there's a bunch of little books um, before Revelation. Just keep backing up and you'll get to Hebrews. It's pretty big, 13 chapters. So find Revelation, work your way through those little epistles backwards, find Hebrews. And then 1 John is right before, just before Revelation. First and second, third John, Jude, Revelation. So this tradition, this commandment, of the bread and the cup that Jesus gave to us. It's often called the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it's called the Eucharist. But most commonly, we call it communion. And why do we call the receiving of the bread and the cup, why do we call it communion? It's because of Jesus' blood that we are no longer far, but we're near. And communion is relationship. Communion is closeness to God. So it's by his blood that he's brought us near to him. It's by his broken body that we get to be in relationship with God. We no longer have the separation of our sin. So we often call this commandment communion because of what we have with Jesus. In our study of Ephesians chapter 2, isn't that just what we learned? That we once were far and now we are near. There's a fellowship with God that the sacrifice of Jesus made possible. The cross made communion possible, did it not? The blood brought us together. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There it is, communion, nearness to God because Jesus shed his blood for you and for me. Jesus knew that the sacrifices would cease. Jesus was and is the once and for all sacrifice. So as he was teaching during his earthly ministry, and as he was imparting communion, the bread in the cup to his disciples, he knew that the sacrifices would stop. He knew that people at some point would realize and stop going to the temple and bringing their sacrifices and that it ought to be that way. But in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament up until Jesus gave his life, when sacrifices were performed, people saw the blood. They experienced the slaughter and the sacrifice. I think of the Passover meal, and they didn't just go to the market and buy some mutton. They had that little lamb. They saw its life. They were close to that lamb. Then they saw its suffering, and they saw its death, its slaughter, and they actually saw and even felt and touched the blood of that lamb. Blood was very real to them. The sacrifice of death and of blood being poured out was very real to the people of Israel. They saw that sin was costly. Now, Jesus, knowing that the sacrifices would cease, knowing that he is indeed the once and for all sacrifice, what did he give us to help us see the blood? We no longer do sacrifices, but he gave us the cup, didn't he? 
so that we could see, so that we could have a representation of his blood shed for us. Otherwise, how would we begin to understand the, suf- the suffering? Sometimes I think we should do more than just drink a fraction of an ounce in, in our little tiny cup. Because Jesus' blood wasn't poured out in small amounts. Jesus' blood flowed. It gushed from him. It was given in abundance. Sometimes I think we should drink a lot, right? In remembrance of how much he gave for us. His life was poured out for us. I said it on Sunday. I'll say it again. Jesus' blood was shed. It poured down off of his back as he was beaten with that whip. His blood flowed down from his brow as the crown of thorns was pushed into his skull, blood flowing out. His life poured out so that we could be in relationship with him, so that we could draw near to him, so that we could be clean. The blood of Jesus coming from his hands and his feet because of the nails. That is what we are here to remember tonight. And if you're near to God today, if you're near to God tonight, it's because of the blood of Jesus. You were once far off, and now because he's given his life, you've been able to draw near to him, and even closer and closer he has brought you to him because of his sacrifice. A holy God drawing a sinful people because of his sacrifice. So I'll give you three remembers. The first is remember the church's cost. Yes, the blood of Christ paid for your redemption personally. And this evening, I want you to see that. I want me to see that, that Jesus' blood was the cost for me to draw near, for me to be saved, for me to be near to God. I never could be there without him. But it's also the cost of all those around you, isn't it? Remember the church's cost. That's why we're here in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. You see what it says there. Paul is talking to a group of elders. He's on the beach. I can picture it there. He's getting ready to sail out in a ship in Acts chapter 20. There in Miletus, addressing this group of overseers from from Ephesus, the very book that we're studying verse by verse, he says this to them, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. If you're an under-shepherd, you're to be reminded that Jesus bought the people that you serve with his very own blood. And the Bible says to be watchful, to be vigilant, to be careful, because who you're protecting and who you're overseeing, those people were purchased with the blood of Jesus. The same is true for all of us in regards to whatever ministry, calling, or gifting God has given you. You operate that gifting and that calling to a people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that going to affect the way that we give, the way that we serve, the way that we operate our gift? Knowing that the Bible says here, the people you're serving are really expensive. The people you're serving are really dear. They're really important beyond our measure to God. For every believer, when you serve, don't forget that those you serve were bought with the blood of Jesus. That is what makes your fellow Christians valuable. Since Christ bought them with his own blood, should we be shoddy with our service? Should we refuse to give? Should we say, oh, people aren't worth it? 
It's not worth my time. Well, they were worth the blood of Jesus. So I know that they're worth my service because he bought you into his kingdom with his very own life. Someone cleaned the bathrooms and removed the cobwebs for believers who were bought with the blood of Jesus. Someone is doing security this very night for believers who were bought with the blood of Jesus. Someone is teaching a class for believers who were bought with the blood of Jesus. Someone left their career to serve believers who were bought with the blood of Jesus. Someone will make dinner tomorrow night for the young believers who were bought with the blood of Jesus. When I don't bring that heart and that attitude to my service, then I am not a solid servant. I become a conditional servant. I become the type of person that's always weighing the, the convenience or whether I enjoy it or whether I feel like it's important. But when I see what the Bible tells me here, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood right there at the end of verse 28 in Acts chapter 20, I say, Lord, that truth that we were bought with your blood brings a whole new level of watchfulness. It brings a whole new level of faithfulness, a whole new level of commitment to what we do for each other. So what's the first remember? Remember the church's cost. I often remember that I was bought, but I need to remember that you were also purchased with his blood, and it's why we are to live our lives out of service to each other. Second, remember. Remember his presence cost. Now, I'm not talking about present like a gift. Remember his presence cost. That you can be in the presence of God, that you can call out to him, that you can cry out to him, and he is there for you. This verse that we're about to read is a reference to the most holy place or the holy of holies in the tabernacle or in the temple. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. There it is again, the blood of Jesus. You and I can go right into his presence with, what does the verse say? Boldness. That means confidence that he is indeed going to receive us. How is it that you and I can go into God's presence, right into the Shekinah glory of God, right into the most holy place with boldness? How is it that that can happen? How can that be our attitude? How can that be our heart? Because Jesus bought your way in. Talk about a ticket. Talk about a right to be there. Jesus gave us that access to the presence of God with his very own blood. We can be confident that we're, we can go right in. It's not because we're so good. Certainly not. It's because of the blood of Jesus. I hope that you are using the presence of God every single day. I hope that you're using the presence of God all throughout your day. Because it costs... The same thing that the church cost, it cost the blood of Jesus for you to be in the holiest of all, for you to be right with God. There's much talk about knowing God, and that talk should always be tied to how we can know God, why we can know God. It's by his blood, and that's going to cause us to be in awe of the one that we're walking with. We're not going to have a haphazard attitude. We're going to walk in reverence He's going to be precious to us because 
we know that we're precious to him. I used to have a t-shirt and it said, dying to know you. And then it had a picture of, of the cross. I mean, Jesus is actually has always known you, but he died so that you could know him. And we, we use, oh, I, that's ice cream to die for. Probably not, right? We like to exaggerate. Jesus doesn't exaggerate. His love is really that solid. I'm dying so that I can have you in my presence, the Lord says. How valuable that is. Remember, his presence costs. The most expensive presence, right, is the presence of Jesus, is the presence of God. Number three, remember what your cleansing cost. Through the blood of Christ, we are cleansed. We're clean. And when Jesus draws us to him, he doesn't bring us in and then just leave us there in our filthiness. He doesn't just say, come here and, and not clean us, not wash us. He doesn't just leave us there stained. He brings us close to him and we're purged, we're washed. We sang about that on purpose. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? When he draws you near, if you're really drawing near to God, he's not gonna just leave you in your wretched state. He's gonna wash you with his love. Isn't it great to take a shower when you're really, really dirty? You know those days when you're, you're sweaty and then the sweat dries and then pretty soon there's some dirt and it sticks to your dried sweat and then it's hours and hours before you take a shower. There's some showers that are sweeter than others, aren't there? If it's just like a normal shower, or like a normal day, but if you're really grimy, it's like, oh, it feels so good to be clean. I'm so thankful that I can take a hot shower right now. It, the cleansing is good, isn't it? Here it is, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Right before some very famous verses, these can be famous too. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, there it is again, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How much greater is it to be cleansed of sin compared to just being cleansed of grime? Grime's good to get rid of. Most people like to take a shower when they're grimy and just go to bed nice and clean, right? But how much better is it to be able to be cleansed of your sin? Because we don't know what to do with our sin. We can't just get under the shower and break out the soap. Our sin is only washed away by the blood of Jesus. And I hope that you know how wonderful it is to be cleansed in your soul, to, to know what it's like to be clean. Because that's what it is to be saved. Say, I don't want that filth on me anymore. I know how good it is to be clean. It's wonderful. In that cleansed state, do you see what 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says? In that cleansed state, we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with each other. Isn't that what it says? We're walking in the light and our brothers and sisters are walking in the light. So we have fellowship with God. That's the closeness. And we have fellowship with one another. If you're not at peace with others, if you're struggling to have fellowship with the body. Do you need to ask for forgiveness? Do you need to be cleansed so that you can be restored to fellowship? Too often we think, oh, it must be their problem. But if you're struggling to connect, if you're struggling to walk 
in fellowship with others. Come and be cleansed. Walk in the light. We've been forgiven, so how can we hold a grudge against others? Now, does this mean that everything's going to be all good and that there's not going to be any more conflicts or any more struggles or any more trials? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that if we're cleansed and walking in the light, we're going to be in fellowship with God's people. And that really is a sweet fellowship. You're walking with him and the others that are there in the light with you. Be cleansed, that great, that wonderful cleanliness in our hearts that makes us fit for heaven. We're in fellowship with God and with man. Remember what your cleansing cost. It cost the blood of Jesus. When we consider the cost of our, our cleanliness, our spiritual cleanliness, it really does cause us to hate the darkness and love the light. It causes us to take joy in the things of God and to look upon the wretchedness of this world and even our own depravity and say, I don't want to be in that. I don't want to live in that. Even pray for yourself and say, God, let my sin just make me sick. I want to be sick of my sin. I don't want to have fond memories and feelings towards my sin. That's, like to, be, that's to be like a pig, isn't it? Pigs, they like to be in the mud. And it's not just mud that they're in. It's manure in with the mud and all kinds of, they just lay there in, in the mud. And I know people tell me, oh, they're trying to get cooled off. They just lay down in the mud. But that pig, that's all that pig knows. If you put a shower in a, a pig stall and give them the opportunity, they're not going to use it. Now, I know the Foothill people, they say, well, I had a pig once, and she, had, she was a very cleanly pig, and she loved it. Okay, well, I had a pig once, too, and she, you know, wore deodorant and all that stuff. No, I, I'm just saying pig, no, I'm, I'm not serious. What I'm saying is pigs like the grime. They like the mud because they're pigs, right? I think of the prodigal there in the pig pen, and he comes to his senses, and he says, what am I doing I'm down here with the pig and the pig food, and it seems like it's good to me. This isn't good. My father is good. My father's house is good. Being clean is good. This filthiness is not good. The blood of Jesus washing over us so that we can revel in that cleanliness and say, Lord, I, I want to be clean. I'm going to keep confessing my sin because I know that you're faithful and just to forgive me of this sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I want to walk in the light with you and have fellowship with those that are yours. So we're here tonight to partake of the bread and the cup, the broken body of Jesus for you and for me. And we're here to partake of the cup, the blood shed by Jesus and all that it accomplishes our redemption, our cleanliness, the presence of God that we have access to because of the blood of Jesus. Yes, remember his suffering and remember why he gave you that cup so that you could see the blood, so that you could know the cost of your Christianity. Sometimes people ask, they say, we should just have a, we should have a worship night. Well, almost every first Thursday of the month, we sing a lot more than we study, and it's by design that way. And I want you to spend some time with God. Get over yourself and get with God. Get over the songs and get into his presence. 
Sometimes that takes me a long time and I'm, I'm distracted by whatever's going on. And when I have an extended time to worship him, here I am, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. I'm remembering you. I'm remembering your bloodshed. And I'm here to worship you. Let him examine you. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and partake of the bread and the cup, remembering his body and his blood given for you. Lord Jesus, we lift these songs to you right now. We lift our lives to you right now. You bought us. You cleansed us. We get to be with you just now because of all that you've accomplished. Thank you for that finished work, Lord, that we have, that you accomplished. Thank you for the remembrance. Lord, you know what we need, and so we choose to follow your lead. Uh, we pray that as we worship you, our hearts would be soft, that nobody would partake of this in an unworthy manner, that they would take their sin and, and bring it to you, Lord, not just set it aside, but bring it to you so that you can wash them clean. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.